This is no ordinary pod. No ordinary pod. This is no ordinary pod. NFL week one. No ordinary pod. Yes, yes it is. This is no ordinary pod on the no ordinary pod network. Welcome you to the pod as always. Serenading you is Noah Hemer. Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. I finally kind of have my life in order after the semester. Got a good solid weekend of some Pac-12 after dark. Good solid weekend of some NFL football, which is always great to have back on. Seven hours of uninterrupted football on Red Zone, which was just just a great time. So I'm, I'm doing great. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing phenomenal. I am currently going off of four hours of sleep because we're recording this early. And I was up last night watching that barn burner of a game between the Broncos and the Raiders. It actually turned out to be a pretty good game. And, you know, Sunday was awesome. We had the the tie, which prolonged the 425 window to about 815, which means right when that game ended, we had the Sunday night game, which wasn't in a, wasn't, didn't really turn out to be a game in itself. But, you know, a lot to talk about. So let's just dive right into it. Oh, by the way, I'm Michael Duggar, by the way. Noah said Michael. I got to introduce myself a little bit. And let's just get right to the Monday night game. The game of the week happened to be the first Monday night game last night between the Texans and the Saints. And, man, it was an awesome game. Texans jump out to a very quick, I think, yeah, I think they jumped out to a 14 nothing lead. If not, they had a 14-3 halftime lead. Saints come out, make it 14-10. Texans score 21-10. Saints come out, score again, 21-17. And then they scored again to make it 20 20- 7-21. They made a field goal, then they got 27-21, and then the Texans, man, that drive was amazing. Deshaun was, this was the best Deshaun Watson I've seen in the NFL, and I know that he's had better numbers in terms of yards, completion percentage, all that stuff, but in terms of staying in the pocket and getting destroyed, he was hit 11 times, sacked 6 times, still had 3 touchdowns, had the 1 pick, which was just a, sh- a deep shot down to DeAndre Hopkins, and Hopkins just suplexed someone. Um, he had the rushing touchdown on the beautiful keeper. We're going to get to them in a second, but this the last drive by Drew Brees. Oh, I forgot to mention that drive. Caught through two passes, and in two passes, it went 75 yards to take the lead with 35 seconds left. Normally, you would think that's enough time, but Drew Brees, Superdome, no. Three plays, very interesting clock management. I thought they were going to blow the game like that, and then I saw the third, the um, at the they were at the forty forty eight yard line of the Texans, and I saw Houston in prevent defense having all three safeties back, and I was on the phone talking to someone. I'm like, Houston's making a bad mistake right here. Houston's leaving the middle of the field open. Saints save that timeout. They get to the thir- they get to the thirty eight yard line. Will Lutz kicks his, Will Lutz Lutz. I don't know how they pronounce it. It's Lutz Lutz to me. Kicks a fifty eight yarder as time expires to win to make me happy. And the one lesson I have personally is never it's not fun to put your money against Deshaun Watson. And second, as long as the Saints have Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas, they're still going to be some some threat in the NFC. 
Noah, what were your thoughts on this game from the Saints side? I just loved watching Alvin Kamara take over a backfield. Him and Drew Brees were going mano a mano pretty much the majority of the game. Um, I'm pulling up. He had 13 carries for 97 yards. Latavius Murray ripped off a nice, what, 25-yarder or so, um, I want to say. A 30-yard run Mm -hmm. um, to get the Saints' first touchdown of the season. So it was nice to see that he still had a compliment behind him. But the dude was catching so many passes. Uh, Alvin Kamara had seven catches for 72 yards, um, but his longest was 41. So he caught six balls for 29, yeah, 29, no, 31 yards. Sorry, it's early, can't do math. Um, So he was just getting dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk which allowed for things later on in the game to open up for Michael Thomas, which allowed Ted Ginn had a, had a nice solid game, seven catches, 101 yards. He had two of the um, three big catches on the final drive. Veterans playing like veterans. And when you got two Ohio State receivers like that between Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas, it's just, it's just going it, to, it, it's just a recipe for success. I thought, in terms of the game, as soon as I saw... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love seeing Kenny Stills on the Texans. And I loved seeing him get that touchdown to take the lead or to tie the game. And then Kaimini Fairbairn missed the extra point on the first attempt. I forgot about that. They... Was it... Who was the... Who had the... I don't know who it was, but someone had the roughing the kicker penalty which allowed them to re-kick it's the made it i have right here rookie from uf chauncey gardner johnson a safety i actually really liked it on pre-draft and he after that play was just hanging his head but i was like bro you're fine because they were expected to make that one and two you're down one so now your team is playing for the win not just to go to overtime that first drive or that last drive by Deshaun Watson had a big play to uh, DeAndre Hopkins down the sideline, got the clock stopped. And the next play, they score uh, on a seam route right down the middle to Kenny Stills. I want to say there was 37 seconds left, and, I, and Saints had one timeout, and they were up one. I was like, that's just too much time. I literally said that right before, right after it happened. I go, they just scored too quickly. Which isn't, it's better to score and score too quickly than not score at all. But the Saints didn't have an answer for the Texans' offense. Oh, yeah. Not when, this not, this Texans, go ahead. I was going to say, this Texans' offense is going to put up a lot of points. Especially because they're going to be playing, they have one of the tougher schedules in the NFL. They're going to have to keep throwing the ball. Duke Johnson, Carlo, Carlos Hyde looked good. I've always had a soft spot for Carlos Hyde, hashtag Ohio State players. Anyway, it's just like he was running he was running violent. Duke Johnson, they were running the ball pretty well in the Saints. And I mean Duke Johnson had four catches, thirty three yards. They nice timeshare split between Carlos Hyde had ten carries, 
8.3 average. Duke had nine carries, 6.3 average. It's and you just saw the full. You saw everything that this offense hopes to be. DeAndre had eight for 111 and two touchdowns. Will Fuller had two for 69. He had a, a, a amazing 54 yard catch he in the had first half. Eight for 111, two touchdowns. Yeah, Hopkins. And he's and he still, in my mind, dropped three balls. I've never seen DeAndre Hopkins drop so many footballs. He had three. He had thirteen targets on the night. No one else had more than five. I, before we go very quickly back to the Saints, is is that the splits that you want? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is undoubtedly probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. I feel like that's a consi- that's an easy consistent. Explosive, everything. I feel like DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL. Is 13 targets when you have people like Will Fuller and Kenny Stills now only getting three targets apiece? Is that something you you want to see Hopkins maintain maintaining this massive target share? Because he had half of the targets of DeAndre of Deshaun Watson's um, throws. I th- I think it's something that you can kind of strive for, but. Why not spread the ball around and try to get DeAndre Hopkins better and more efficient? I'm all about efficiency and get DeAndre Hopkins more and better efficient looks when you have the weapons to get, to go to. Kenny still scored the touchdown. Uh, you still got Duke Johnson out of the backfield. You got Will Fuller made a crazy play while they were backed up inside their five. Um, caught that ball one I wouldn't even say one-handed. One arm went up and over the dude. Uh, grabbed that one arm on what a... 54 yard mm-hmm. play so got them right out right down the midfield and really capped like just kept that drive go or got that drive started and kept the texans mojo live if the texans punt there or go three and out this game could be entirely different That's just true. on the basis that the saints would then be in a plus field field position texans would then be playing from behind texans playing from behind yes i think they have they will always have a chance to come back but if they can jump out to a lead like they did, that can they put the game away with their run game? And they just kept throwing the ball, kept throwing the ball, throwing the ball. And I think the biggest question is, you know, we saw the first touchdown of the Texans' uh, 2019 season was a nice, beautiful Deshaun run or Deshaun scramble, um, leaped over got pretty, kind of leaped over more like sidestep got clipped on the bottom of his leg and then kind of fell over some dude but landed on his back kind of awkwardly and you could tell while he was on the ground that he was kind of in some noticeable pain whether he just got the wind knocked out of him or there was like some type of bone crunching or whatever we, we there's no way for us to really truly know he was smiling but he looked he looked like he was still in some pain couldn't wasn't getting up immediately his style of play is just not sustainable the lack of protecting and I, I hate to say it but the best quarterback in the AFC South is just going to get riddled by not having an offensive line to protect him that it's they try it's to ad- transit mm-hmm. they, I'm saying that they tried to address it with Laramie Tunzel and he did well he started he he gave up I th- he gave up two sacks he gave up a sack on a third down to Trey Hendrickson who got off 
who no one, no tackle in the NFL is going to stop, is going to prevent that sack because Trey Hendrickson got off the ball, timed it legit perfectly. You cannot time a pass rush better. And he got around, did a one little, knocked Tunsil's hands away and was already past him anyway. But you still have, you're starting, you're trying, that was, that's like putting a Band-Aid. How do I, I don't know how I even messaged it to you last night. You said it's like putting a Band-Aid on a shotgun wound. Yeah, that's what they did. And we just, this is the lesson. This is what's frustrating about the Andrew Luck team building. Is that you do not construct an offensive line around him until it was too late. And right now, you're still seeing that. Six sacks, 11 hits. It's, some of it could be Watson's fault trying to make extend plays and not like not just saying, you know what, I'm just going to go down. Like Brady and all those guys do. They'll just have no problem just falling down and just saying, you know what, I'll, I'll take, get to the next play. Watson doesn't have that. And he was getting his back worked on right before he went out there and did that final drive in the fourth quarter to take the lead. He was getting his back worked on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a – as long as Deshaun Watson is healthy, the Texans have a chance. But that's one of the big reasons over a 16-game season. And, yes, he was healthy all last season. He played all 16 games. That was last season. This is this season. And hits can keep piling on and, and piling he may on. Have, hey, he may have played all 16 games last year, but he they mentioned it in the telecast uh, last night. He still had to bust to and from Jacksonville because they were the pressure that would have happened in the air cabin in a plane was not something that the medical staff wanted to risk. So he got on a bus and bust to Jacksonville and then bust back from Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you have another back injury or just another core, like body trunk core injury, uh, maybe not abdominal core, but like that. You know, not appendix appendages injury, um, is is worrisome. It is, and the Saints play. They maintain their aggressive style of defense. They're gonna keep. They're gonna keep blitzing. That's just who they are. So you know, and they're not gonna see a. I mean, this is a very difficult place to start. They handled it well. They were I, more than touchdown favorites. I mean, underdogs on the road, hostile environment, and they only lost by two. That's good. But their defense is going to be a problem. They still have slow linebackers. That's why Kamara had seven catches or 70, 72 yards. Latavius Murray had two for four. You also look at their secondary. They don't have a shutdown corner. Michael Thomas, 10 for 123 on 13 targets. Ted Ginn, seven, seven catches on seven targets for 101. Jared Cook had three targets, but those two catches for 37 yards were against were great, were mismatches created. It's, it's just... I, this is why we didn't like to use this Houston team that much. We Let me just put it this way. When your two leading tacklers on defense are your starting quarter, your starting corner, and your starting safety, and the or the top three leading tacklers are your corner and your two safeties, that means your front seven is not doing their job. J.J. Watt, no sacks, no tackles. Not on the box score. And... Whitney Mercilis he had five tackles and he had a sack. He had a, he had a sack, but you know they're gonna miss Clowney. There's it's 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 a very it's a very interesting thing. But we were, you and I weren't that high on this Houston team in the first place. We were we were more lukewarm on. I was a little more lukewarm on the Saints. I think you thought they were too, but I'm still not sold on the Saints team to go all the way. We're still seeing the Taysom Hill experience 
um, experiment where still um, I can breeze his arm. Can breeze his. Hey, breeze, shout out southeastern Idaho. Yes, can breeze arm stay? Can it keep? Can it keep its fastball for sixteen games? We'll see. It's it's a very interesting dynamic with these teams, um, but both defense need to improve. We need to see these offenses protect the quarterback a little better. But all in all, phenomenal game of football, and you know, just high level execution by both offenses down the stretch. Let me ask you this um, hypothetical: What do you? What would you think of the Saints' outlook? Let's say if Drew Brees were to go down week five, week six, and you had a Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill tandem. Pretty much what they have now, but I think you would see a little bit more Taysom Hill at quarterback. I love Teddy Bridgewater, but this team would not make the playoffs without Drew Brees. I would have to agree. At least at the, I haven't seen Teddy Bridgewater play enough to know and to just take going from a Hall of Famer down to – Someone that we both love would be detrimental, but I, I mean, was just curious where you thought, like Drew Brees, really does have to carry this team as far as they do. Because Bridgewater had offers to go to like Miami this off season, mm-hmm. and he stayed as a Saint maybe because he knows or was told that he's going to get the job after Brees retires this year. I don't know. We'll see. We will see, but. Let's hope, let's hope that both these quarterbacks stay healthy and look as sharp as they did tonight. Let's move on to the second part of the Monday Night Football doubleheader, the Broncos and the Raiders, where the Raiders got a big 24-16 to win to open their season. A lot of it had to do with the red zone defense and the Broncos' inability to convert inside the five-yard line, which is not really a shocker when you consider Joe Flacco, but we'll get to Flacco in a second. But the main thing that stood out from this game is – the Raiders have legit talent on defense, and this is something we both discussed going through their depth chart. We're like, they have talent. They have leaders at all. They have leaders and talent at all three levels. And yes, it's Flacco, but you still saw the speed of that defense. Clean Farrell, the much maligned number four pick, looked great. Got a sack. Vontez Burfitt was everywhere in that first half, everywhere, and then he got tired. He looks like he needs to lose a couple lbs. Lamarcus Joyner, besides when he was matched. That, he did pretty good on Noah Fant considering the height, the set, probably like the seven, eight inch height difference. And you can saw him get frustrated a couple times, but he was everywhere making plays. Jonathan Abrams has, you could, you, you always hear that you could feel the hits through the television. You can hear his hits. He brings power to that secondary. And Josh Morrow, the, the, um, he's, he's a, Brit, he's a um, British dude, and I kept thinking it's Mad Max Crosby, the people who watched. Who follow Eastern Michigan in some in the draft process and follow Hard Knocks would recognize Max Crosby from the second episode, and I was like, "Is that Max Crosby?" And I looked up, I saw Morrow. I'm like, "Man, that guy is everywhere. He is. He had four tackles, one tackle for loss, a pass deflected. He was making plays, and I just like this defense. And on the flip side, Dave, Derek, is it Dave? It's Derek, right? Yeah. I always get confused. Derek Carr looked very comfortable in the pocket. Twenty-two for twenty-six, two fifty-nine and a touchdown. Still a ten point yard average per per um per throw or per completion. One touchdown, ninety four QPR, one twenty one rating, spread the ball around very well. You we, we knew coming into this that Antonio Brown, I didn't want to talk about the Antonio Brown saga until we get to the Patriots, because it's 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 still not worth talking about to me. 
because everyone catches the ba- catches the bait and he reels you in. Tyra Williams six for one hundred five and a touchdown on seven targets. Darren Waller, they said it all offseason that this tight end was going to replace Jared Cook and then some. Seven catches for seventy yards on eight targets. Josh Jacobs one catch twenty eight yards at the back. I mean, I liked uh, I. I know you weren't the highest on Josh Jacobs coming into the draft process. Maybe not as like a first round pick, but man, he looked great. Um, he did look good. He looked good in this offense. Yes, Waller was being isolated in mismatches. He was put on the perimeter. He was standing up. He is a weapon. And they were fi- and Gruden was give- finding creative ways to get him the ball. Josh Jacobs was. Uh, question for you: They put this on the ticker. You didn't watch. The- you didn't watch this game, so I feel like I'm, this is gonna be a lot of me talking, but. Josh Jacobs was the second running back ever to have 100 scrimmage yards and two rushing touchdowns in their rookie debut. Can you name the other running back? It is from the 2000s. It's not Saquon? Nope. It is the fantasy god himself. Adrian Peterson? LaDainian Tomlinson. Ah. Mm-hmm. And surprising thing about me is that I told a lot of people to to get Denver's defense because I play a week to week type of fantasy thing with that. And I'm like, look at the lineup they play: the Raiders with two injury O lines to their guards, and uh, what's his name, and then Trubisky next week. But Oakland didn't give up a single sack. Their tackles: Trent Brown and Colton Miller, phenomenal. And there was no interior pressure to take advantage of the absence of Virginia Cognito and Gabe Jackson. But, yeah, man, Oakland looked awesome. It was cool to see the crowd was crazy energized. Gruden, after the game, did a victory lap, like, hugged, hugged. He was getting mauled by fans. It was, it was honestly, it was awesome scenes. Um, I don't, you didn't get, did you, did you, like, catch up the highlights, box scores, or anything that stood out from you from just recapping the game this morning? I just, is it really going to be the same old, same old Joe Flacco situation that we had in Baltimore where yes that he's sucks the, he's the dink and duck god never trust I have it in my notes never trust Flacco in all caps we we did we were excited about this defense we were excited about Mike Munchak coming over and fixing the O-line Philip Lindsay Royce Freeman had a nice little timeshare backfield each had 10 each had double digit touches wide receiver talent looked very Plus, you could say, even they did drop, Deshaun Hamilton did drop a touchdown. Manuel Sanders looks ridiculous already. I, I, what were his exact numbers? 586 and a touchdown. Corlin Sutton, 7-120. Noah Fant, 2 for 29 on five targets. So they're trying to get Noah Fant the ball. And then Philip Lindsay, 4 for 23 on six targets. And it all comes back to one human being, and that is Joe Flacco. And Mike Clay... The great Mike Clay of ESPN, whose projections are awesome. It's a little side note. It is very frustrating that I have to keep adjusting my mic volume all the time. It really bothers me. But I don't know if you saw this stat, but his career yard per attempts is 6.3 yards, which is not what you look for. Guess what his yard per yard, um, YPA was last night, Noah? Uh, five and a half. 6.3. He is the same human as we always see. Same human. It's it's crazy. And one thing that bothers me is like we're Did you watch the Cowboys Giants game? Yes. 
Do you remember when they called it a play action bootleg on the inside the five with Eli? Yes. We saw two of those from Joe Flacco within one three down set. One series of play. Yes. We saw two bootlegs from Joe Flacco. You understand that you are putting a bootleg requires, you know, you want to have a quarterback mobility. So if he doesn't, if no one's open, he can tuck and run or make a play. Joe Flacco's not making anyone miss. This was an abomination of an offense in the first <laughs> yeah. half. Yeah, did you see the, in the Giants-Cowboys game, Eli tried to stop and, like, push someone by um, when he tried to tuck it down and run on his bootleg. He had Sterling Shepard, I think, wide open in the end zone, but we'll get to that. Oh, God. We better spend two seconds on the Giants. Tops. Um, but it's it's just so frustrating. The thing is, the, the, the Broncos don't – someone posted a great thing. Who's the Broncos' backup quarterback? It's not Drew Locke. Drew Locke's injured. I'm looking it up right now. It is Brandon Allen. So they don't have Over any choice. Wyoming quarterback. Yes. You traded – no, you went to Arkansas. Oh, you're right. You're right. You, you, you trade for Joe Flacco. You get people like me to buy into this team in terms of, you know, they have a great defense with Vic Fangio coming over. They have great talent offensively. They had a great running game. You know, maybe this thing can work. And then you fall flat in the first half. And your red zone offense was atrocious. And then you have a receiver drop a touchdown. It was just frustrating. It's like nothing nothing ever changed with the Broncos. And now they have pretty much a game. They have one game hosting Chicago this coming up week to save their season. Because you're not going to go 0-2, especially when you have to play the Chiefs and the Chargers four times in your schedule. So it's a, it's a, this is the Broncos' season, to put it lightly. Chicago could probably say the same thing about Chicago. We'll, get, we, uh, we'll talk Chicago in the NFC later. Do you have any final thoughts on this abomination of a game? Not really. Not, not really. I'm just – I'm excited to just – see what this um Oakland D is gonna keep doing. I think Oakland I don't know if they're I don't know if they're necessarily a playoff team, but I am excited to see how many upsets that this team's gonna cause. This team's gonna cause a lot of fits for a lot of good teams. And I that defense is talented and defense travels. I'm excited to see what they can do. We'll see if Gruden can keep dialing up some mismatches offensively because that's what he, he did a very good job last night. Reminds people he could still coach some offense, especially against Denver and Vic Fangio. So let's let's stay within the AFC and the the two teams at the top from last year are still at the top this year, probably for the past half decade, and that is the Patriots and the Chiefs. Patriots destroyed the Steelers. Their offense looked phenomenal. I thought coming into the game we said Pittsburgh's. Secondary is terrible, and they were ex- they were just ripped to shreds. Beautiful play design on the Philip Dorsett touchdown. Josh Gordon making a three-yard drag, turns it into a 20-plus-yard touchdown. The ground game was non-existent. Sony Michelle disappointed a lot of fantasy owners, including myself. And you saw everything on display from this team, everything that makes them the just just – I don't even know. They're just they're just like the dead man of the, like the boogeyman of this of the of the NFL. They just keep doing it. 
James Philip Dorsett four for ninety five and two touchdowns. Julian Edelman six for eighty three. Josh Gordon three seventy three and a touchdown. James White five fifty six. Burkhead five forty one. Shout out Ryan Izzo got the start. Got one for one catch three yards. It was just a masterpiece by Brady and McDaniel's. And on the on the defensive end, are they the best defense in football now? The Patriots. Yes. We've. Do you know who I love? Has what? Did you? Do you know who I'm about to say? Their pass rush. Jamie Collins. No. Michael Bennett. No. Chase Winovich. Yes. It's. They have third round pick. Third round pick out of Michigan, mm-hmm. and I think he was at least a two year starter. And the dude plays like his hair's on fire. And he has great hair. Great hair, and he plays like it's on fire. Uh, he's fun to watch. And I saw someone tweet, I, I don't remember who, but someone's like, this is, he destroyed uh, Alejandro Villanueva. Mm-hmm. If I hope I pronounce this, but destroyed him off the edge one, t- one time. And someone had the clip on Twitter and goes, how did they let this guy fall to the third round into the Patriots? It's, it's, it's. We overthink things. They reload on defense. Reload. I mean, the Patriots are just like the NFL Bama, but they just it doesn't seem as sustainable in in New England because you're not having 25 new players come in every single year on scholarship. You're just trying to go sign dudes, but the NFL is supposed to be created somewhat fairly, you know, with the draft system, salary caps, things of that nature. Every team could have could have drafted him, but even then, if they would have drafted him, would he have got the coaching that he needed to be able to take the next level? It's yeah, I think we might be looking at the best best defense. It's hard to say after week one because the Patriots notoriously own the Steelers, and someone that keeps the Steelers in the game. Two players that keep the Steelers in the game against the Patriots are Le'Veon and Antonio Brown, and they are not on the Steelers roster yeah, anymore. Yeah, they're elsewhere, and that's and the Steelers. And we saw what Juju could do when Juju's. Yes, he was against the best cornerback in football, St- um, Stephon Gilmore. Um, but one thing that Steelers like that Belichick does is is that Belichick will usually put his number two DB and have safety help on the on your number one option. They didn't do that this time. They just said Gilmore, you're not gonna have safety help. You go, you go do your thing. And yes, he still got six or seventy eight, but it, it was a very quiet six or seventy eight. And this Steelers def- and this Patriots defense, best secondary in football. Dante Hightower still remains an underrated linebacker. You bring in Michael Bennett and Jamie Collins to replace uh, what's his name? Replace Trey Flowers. You still have Kyle Van Noy healthy. Who's just on taking a little time away? Who's going to come back and add even more to this defense? It, I'm telling you, man, this is we're sixteen and zero is in play, and I mean that seriously. Sixteen and zero is in play as long as this team can stay healthy because they still have the best O line in football. They still now they have the best defense in football. It's safe to say they probably have the best the best array of talent and skill position players in the NFL, and they have the goat at quarterback. Well, there's no weakness on this team. There's none. And on the flip side of that with the Chiefs, the Chiefs gave up 26 points 
to Garner Minshew and Nick Foles. Yes, their offense put up 40, and it was a very easy 40. Very, very easy 40. But Jacksonville looks like a mess. So what are your thoughts on what we saw from Kansas City and how they stack up against the Patriots? Well, Kansas City, Jacksonville, telecast got cut out in the second half. So I didn't get to watch a lot of them. I just hope that this Kansas City team can stay healthy. As with any team. But I think Pat Mahomes is just awesome. I think we are going to see a slight regression in terms of numbers from Pat Mahomes. Just because it's what he did last year is not sustainable. But I still think we're going to see him do crazy awesome things the run game between LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams was a lot of fun to watch actually I haven't seen Shady look that way since he was with Andy Reid last time Sammy Watkins the dude I have been such a Sammy Watkins believer but that foot of his has never been healthy even if he's only plays eight to 10 games they have rookies behind him that will be able to step up but it's never been a matter of does Sammy Watkins have talent has does he have enough talent and ironically he had one of the better days in the NFL and he is a Clemson product Clemson receivers Ohio State DBs Ohio State everything Ohio State everything, but Ohio State DBs, Clemson receivers. Mm-hmm. Clemson receivers are just littered over the NFL. And maybe it's because Dabo Sweeney used to be the receiver coach at Clemson before he got that. He got promoted. Dabo Sweeney, I don't know how many people know this, but Dabo Sweeney got promoted to head coach after being the receivers coach at Clemson. And look at what he's doing. Yep. It's – it's. I'm just going to say, it's, it's something yeah. else. It's the, the Clemson receivers throughout the NFL. Like we just talked about DeAndre Hopkins. You got Mike Williams. Um, Deion Kane in Indianapolis. I'm sure there's more, but we'll see how they can cope without Tyreek Hill. I don't think it's that big of. A, I don't think it's a massive loss because you can just th- you drafted uh, Hardman from Georgia to for this exact role anyway. Because they, did they have uh, Hill being out four to six weeks? I've heard four to six weeks. I heard he could go on IR. So six. Did he break his collarbone? No, he had like some weird some weird injury where he was like he had to stay overnight in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um Well they don't he's likely to avoid IR, no defined timetable. He'll have uh, he hurt his um come on. Come on, Google, help me out. Yes. Um here we go. It is a collarbone. Sternal what sternal I- clavicular clavicular joint injury. Okay, so that's going to be where your collarbone meets underneath your chin area. Ooh. Man, there was a lot of collarbone injuries. You had Nick Foles out for the season already. Completely destroys that Jacksonville season, which that's going to be a rough year for Jacksonville now. Uh, Hey, Gardner Minshew is going to be fun to watch, though. He is funny. He's used to to slinging it around. I was watching the game with my dad, and he's he's like, who is this Minshew guy? I'm like, he's... Comes from the elite system. He's gonna be, he's gonna be comfortable throwing the ball. 
we'll see we'll see what his arm strength can do. But I like there's still some fun. There's Jackson was a fun team, honestly. I like their offense. But um, the Kansas City side of things is there. Is I don't think their defense improved. I don't think I saw the visual improvement that you would want to see when you bring in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. I didn't see it. Maybe it's I don't know. This wasn't. This probably wasn't the sternest test for them, and they'll probably get that test. They're not going to get it this week. I yeah, because they're playing at oh at Oakland. It's gonna be a fun game. But the week after that, hosting Baltimore. That's gonna be a fun one. That's gonna be a fun one. And I feel like that's a good transition. Do you have anything else to add to Kansas City? Are these two very quickly? Are these two, can you do you value Kansas City, New England in a tier of their own, a class of their own in the AFC? I value New England in a class of their own and then Kansas City in a class of their own. But I do not classify Kansas City and New England in the same tier. Hmm. Is that because of the defense? That's just because make Kansas City make a make a Super Bowl and show me that here's the difference. But Andy Reid's awesome offensive play caller. Offense awesome offensive mind can't get it done in the playoffs you don't get to be in the same tier as the patriots until you get it done in the playoffs you don't think that that overtime loss was enough showing it you don't think you you want them you want to see reed get over the hump yeah it's been too many years year in year out where i haven't seen it where i need to see it before i'm just going to be like oh yeah they're on the same tier as patriots maybe in terms of talent And what they can do on the field. But in terms of winning games and going to make championships, Patriots are going to be on a tier of their own until I'm given reason to think otherwise. We did not even talk about Antonio Brown of the Patriots. Oh, we yeah. That's... You're going to have Antonio Brown and Julian Edelman in the slot. Antonio Brown on the outside. Josh Gordon on the outside. Just those three receivers right there. By Philip Dorsett going to be rotating in. Then you're going to have... They're probably going to run a lot of three receiver, two, two running back situations. Their passing Between game is not... Michelle, Burkhead, White, Edelman, Gordon, Brown. Who needs Gronk? What that's the thing they're saying Gronk may come back later in the year. This and maybe he will, but and if that happens, it's just unfair. They have the best. I'm not going to get into the. We don't have the time, honestly, to get into the. Oh, is, is was this planned from the start stuff? Because that's not for me to speculate. And it's just it's just to fill the air. It's it's stupid. It's stupidity to even bother assuming it. But. It is such this. I don't even. I, I don't have the words to describe how awesome this offense is going to be. And I've said this before. People hate the Patriots because they win, and because you know people accuse them of dirty tactics, cheating, all that kind of stuff. It is what it, it is. It's whatever. Who cares? But this offense is going to be special. This is, in my opinion the best team of the decade right now. Will they will they follow through with it? Who knows? But this is the best paper team on paper of the 2010s and perhaps since the 2007 Patriots. 
And do I see anyone stopping them? We'll see. But as of right now, with Belichick, this is, what, this is what's great about Belichick. So there was they were it was six, seven seconds left in the game, and the Steelers were lining up in a play, and Be- the Steelers had the ball, and Belichick called a timeout, and everyone looked bewildered on the Steelers, like what is going on? Belichick did not like how his defense was lining up of a thirty-three to three game when the Steelers were at midfield. That's the perfectionist of Belichick. That is a team that's saying it doesn't matter. You need to practice like this. You need to behave like this. And I feel like Antonio Brown is going to not, quote-unquote, fall in line, but he's going to respect this culture, or else he wouldn't come to this culture. Brady's already welcoming him in. He's staying at Brady's house. That's awesome. That just shows you the type of leader that Brady is. It's it's awesome, man. This I've, I'm honest. I'm actively going to be not rooting, but it's going to be there. This team's must-see TV all the time, especially because they get the Dolphins in week two, which is going to be hysterical down there. And that's feel like that's a perfect transition. To it's a one week victory lap for you and I, but down in Miami, down in South Florida, homecoming performance for one Lamar Jackson. And I'll just quickly read you the statistics he had from the 59. Was it 59? Yeah, 59. Where is it? Did ESPN remove it from its thing because it's too 59 to 10? Yeah, I'm trying to find there it is at the top. Let's just let's just take a quick gander at this. Lamar Jackson, 17 of 20, 324, five touchdowns. Hollywood Brown, four catches, a buck 47, two touchdowns. He only ran eight routes and was and played 14 snaps. You want to talk about efficiency? Half <coughs> half of the routes he ran, he caught, and they were for a buck 47 and two touchdowns. Your man, the where he from. Baller, Mark Andrews, 8 for 108 and a touchdown. Willie Sneed, 2 for 41 and a touchdown. You got Hayden Hurst, got three catches. It's This was everything we wanted, man. Mark Ingram, 14, 107, two touchdowns. Justice Hill got seven carries for 27 yards. That's a nice, not the best efficiency, but that's a nice, that's a nice volume. Gus Edwards had 17 carries. But there was, it was... Two things in particular that we saw. We're here. You and I were. were we love Lamar and we love Baker in the in, in this in last year's draft class. We'll get to Baker in a little bit, but um. So we're once again we're not going to get. We're not even going to try to waste our breath on. Oh, he was a running back thing. That's not it. Because what we saw from Lamar Jackson in this game was spectacular, and there were two areas where they happened. To, and, and this is a part. This is a theme of week one, and I will let you discuss the play action use and the success rate it had, especially with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. I think before I even speak on that, Lamar Jackson had all those stats, and everyone goes, "He's a running quarterback," and I know they're playing the Dolphins, like put into context they're playing the dolphins mm-hmm. the bottom feeder of the nfl he ran his stats say he ran the ball three three times for six yards he is sitting in the pocket just throwing the ball all over the place his favorite target mark andrews is getting open and then all right you have him operating in the middle of the field sweet have fun defending hollywood brown one-on-one have fun. 
No one's catching him. It's just like Tyreek Hill. No one's catching him. Especially if you can't get a hand on him uh, before he gets off the line. But even then, he's going to burn you off the line. This is going to... The Ravens are the closest thing that we have to... um, Outside of Arizona, which I'm really excited to get to. This is the closest thing that we have to one of a, a, a pure like college football type of awesome electric offense. Have a quarterback that has wheels but can still throw. You have a couple of different running backs led by your senior leader, Mark Ingram. Heisman Trophy winner. Two Heisman Trophy winners on this team. You have Justice Hill, who started as a freshman at Oklahoma State, who wasn't even involved, really. Had seven carries for 27 yards, but he's only going to get better. This Ravens team is nasty. And I'm a believer. I I think one thing that we learned over the past, over the weekend, was coaching, 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 coaching. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what talent you have if you're not calling the right place at the right time you don't have the right people in the right mike mccarthy with green bay had talent all the time but nothing ever happened they finally get the defense they get the they get some better offensive play calling that starts attacking the weaknesses of defense you see better results i'm a believer in the the reason why i was you kept asking me you really think the ravens d is going to be okay without all the talent that they have i go Yes, because their style of offensive play will, A, help their defense out, but B, their coaching on defense is still awesome. They still have dudes there that know the system. Baltimore has been one of the most established teams. I think if there's a team that has a chance to beat the Patriots, I think it is this Ravens team. I mean, after week one, it's tough to to argue. And I know they played the Dolphins. I know. But... Maybe Saban, Nick Saban, and I'm not saying Saban and Belichick are the exact same, but Saban has a hard time defending mobile quarterbacks. It's always been his his uh, kryptonite. Yep. And I don't know if the same things for Belichick, but man, I think Lamar has the chance to be. He's going to be so good. He every year he was at Louisville, he just kept getting better and better. His Heisman year, his sophomore year, wasn't even he had a better year his junior year. And then last year, you know, he kept got better as every single game went on. And then this year he comes out and starts 17 of 20, 324, five touchdowns, no turnovers. And and yes, the, it's Dolphins. And yes, the receivers were open, but it doesn't matter. He was hitting them in stride. And when you have a player like Hollywood Brown, who, if you watch college football and you and you are a fan of Gus Johnson like I am, you are you know is Hollywood Brown. Like those are you hear that every single Saturday because Hollywood is getting behind defenses or turning a fi- or fifteen yard drag ra- or fifteen yard. I don't know if it's like a post like an in route into a sixty five yard touchdown because he's that explosive, and when you have that threat in the passing game along with all their other weapons. But you're still a run-first team. They ran the ball 40 times. I think 40-plus times they ran the ball. That is crazy. 
there it's a there, they're going to become a pick your poison offense and the beauty of them is the play action usage they use play action on half of their um half of their passing pass attempts half you get the ground game going or even you have a semblance of a ground game you know a threat with Mark Ingram or Lamar keeping it or just, whoever's back there you're going to get linebackers sucking in. And the second you get those linebackers sucking in, Jackson's just going to pull. He's going to peek his head up. He's going to see Hollywood. He's going to see Snead. He's going to see Miles Boykin. He's going to see Hurst, Mark Andrews, whoever it is, across the middle. And it's going to be so – it's going to be pitch and catch and let all of these guys who all can make plays after the catch, it's going to put them in such great positions. It's going to put this offense in a great position to succeed. And – Man, this team's so exciting. I don't know if you... I think you said Cleveland would win the division, but Baltimore's a bigger threat. I don't remember if I picked Cleveland or Baltimore. I honestly don't. It's been a week. It's been five days, and I still don't remember because I still just... I talked Baltimore up all offseason, and we both did, and this team's awesome, man. It's fun. It's new. It's it's new. We haven't seen something like this since R- since RG3 took the league by storm, who happens to be... The backup to Lamar Jackson, and it was—it's just an awesome, awesome environment going on in Baltimore right now. Happy for Lamar, happy for all the people there. They are going to be—they were one of our two most interesting teams to watch, them in Arizona. And sure enough, they play this week, which is just going to be—you know—there's going to be one game I'm focused on, and it's that game. Um, any? Do you even want to acknowledge the Miami tanking? It's—it is sad that the players. This is the negative, the downside of tanking is that players are actively seeking a trade, according to a report from PF uh, Mike Florio. They are trying to leave Miami because they do not want to be a part of the tanking culture, which which sucks. And they're still starting Fitzpatrick. I want to see Rosen, who went one for five with interception. Shout out to your boy Josh Rosen. Um, with the Heather's, t- I like I like the skill position players, but there's just a dumpster fire, and they're going to be bad, and they're going to be bad for a while. They're going to be bad for at least this year, maybe next year. And then they're going to use all their capital and cap space to just lure everyone they possibly can to Miami. Which is not a bad place to try to lure people to. It's not. But you host the Patriots this week and you just lost 59-10 you're in your, in your home opener. Let's see. Let's just put up a better fight. If you're going to actively try to tank... Then don't look at this bad. Then you can't even say they're actually trying to take because they're doing the, the, because they're doing what the 76ers did and just not getting good players, which is sad. But uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns, and I wouldn't say this is a shocking result because I I thought Cleveland's defense would be a lot better, but man, oh man. Without that offensive, I avoided Nick Chubb in every single fantasy draft, and he still had 70 yards because that O-line. I didn't get Baker because the O-line. Got Odell because it's Odell. But this O-line's a concern, man, and I don't think that Cleveland is ready to do anything until we see an adjustment in their offense. I want to see more quick throws. Put Baker in the Big 12 offense. Get in the spread system. Get the ball out quickly. You have playmakers all over the place, and it, and it would put a little, and it would help your offensive line. 
defense feels disappointed them. But what are your what were your thoughts on Cleveland's forty three to thirteen clunker at home? From the Twitter account, all twenty two film breakdown, um, or and Warren Sharp too. Um, the Browns had one hundred eighty two yards of penalties. <laughs> You can't win any any game of any sort with 182 yards worth of penalties. I don't care how. T- Give me one second. Look, look, I'm just going. You are just never gonna. You can't play undisciplined football. You talked about how the Patriots have just. How Bill Belichick took that timeout at the at the end of the game, and everyone's all confused, and he's that perfectionist. You don't see them having 182 yards worth of penalties. Cleveland's one of the most talented teams in the NFL, especially on defense. And you have Odell, Baker, Chubb. You're going to have Kareem Hunt coming back into the fold. You have a talented tight end. You have Jarvis Landry, regardless of how you feel about him. There's a lot of talent on this team, but it's undisciplined talent. That's a factor. At least at this, at least at this mm-hmm. moment in time. That's a factor you and I didn't look at when previewing them. We didn't think about the Freddie Kitchens first first year head coach thing. We should have. We always talk about coaching, and and this was, and penalties reflect your. Now I don't think it's a complete reflection of your coaching. But Belichick, and we always go to Belichick, as we should, he coaches how to defend within the rules, how to, like, get away at the shirt pulling. Like, that's genius. That's part of the genius and intelligence of Belichick. We Kitchens, we didn't see that. Their defensive coordinator is Steve Wilkes, Arizona, who was the worst team in football last year. You bring in Todd Munkin to run your offense, and he's not even calling plays. Kitchens is still calling plays. He's still running all the offense. So so is there a power struggle that's going to come from there? Like, is Munkin going to say, hey, you got to give me, like, give me more, give me more say? Or is it, it's just a weird dynamic there. And there, and that's something that you, I feel like you and I overlooked. And that's, that's a lesson to be learned. But it is week one. But if they don't make massive adjustments in terms of, hey, we got to not hit a home run every time. Singles are okay. Doubles, too. Doubles move the runners up. Move the chains. But it's just look for a lot of home run. Baker got he got impatient because he was getting – I didn't even look up how many sacks he had exactly. Let me look it up real quick. He got hit a lot, though. Five sacks, and they have QB hits. They should have QB hits as a stat. They all, I just looked at it 20 seconds ago. Oh, yeah, he's got to go box score. My bad. Give me – Five, four, three, two, one. He was hit seven times, and there were seven big hits. And he had a little wrap in his wrist. I don't in his hand. He's gonna be fine. That's what everyone said. But I was disappointed. The defense. They had four sacks, but just got worn down. And that's a credit to Tennessee, man. And that is why Tennessee. You heard Delaney Walker say they are who they thought they were. And guess what? Tennessee is exactly who. We thought they were Noah, and it's kind of hard to pick them because you just look at them and you're like, 
you know, yeah, Derrick Henry's going to be able there on the ground game, but what do they have through the air offensively? Can Marcus Mariota get it done? That defense is not elite, really anywhere. They're not, they don't have necessarily elite pass rushing. They don't necessarily have elite linebacking. They don't necessarily have elite secondary, but they are good everywhere. You know what they do have elite? Coaching. They do. Ha- Mike Vrabel. It's and go ahead. I hate I hate that we just missed on it during when we were kind of like previewing it. We were just looking at the teams and what they had, and we didn't. We always factor like for example, Thursday night football. If you have two awesome teams going head to head on a short week, my I think our de facto decider is always who has the better coaching staff. I will always always take an inferior team with a better coach on a short week than a better team that lacks coaching. I feel like I feel like in those previews we mentioned the coaching changes we just didn't go in in, in some schemes. We just didn't talk about teams like this cuz we were so excited on the positive side of things. But yeah man, Tennessee we saw I love the, the, we saw their formula. Arthur Smith did a great job of calling the plays replacing our boy Matt LeFleur. And Mariota was 14 for 24, 248, three touchdowns. Derrick Henry had 19 carries for 84 and a touchdown. A.J. Brown loved him from Ole Miss, three for 100. Derrick Henry had a 75-yard screen touchdown. I feel like that always happens. Derrick Henry gets like a long screen pass every once in a while. Delaney Walker, five, 55, two touchdowns. I hate to say it, when you get Derrick Henry running in the open field like that, I don't want to be the one tackling nope. him. nope. And this defense is very well put together, man. Logan Ryan had a sack and a half, which is crazy to think about. Kenny Vaccaro, Adore Jackson had five tackles. Harold Lendry, three tackles himself. Cameron Wake, two and a half sacks. There's just Malcolm Butler had a pick at a pick six. Wesley Woodyard, Kevin Bayard is probably the top two safety in the NFL back there. It is such Jarrell Casey, didn't even mention him. It is such a well-balanced defense that is well-coached. They know who they are. And that's why we originally picked them to win the division, and then we got cute, and I flipped the coin and went the other way. But they are they are good, man. And they're going, to be, they're going to be annoying. They're not like anything we see in the NFL. They're, they're not necessarily zigzagging while everyone else is zigging, but they recognize we have a quarterback who we need to minimize his mistakes. We have a great ground game. We have a solid O-line. And we have a great defense. And we have a couple pass catchers. Let's use them. Delaney in the red zone and A.J. Brown. And let's get Corey Davis more involved in all that stuff. This is, I'm very excited about Tennessee's future. Um, and I feel like that's a very, very nice transition to the AFC South as a whole. Unless you have any final thoughts on these two teams. No, I'm... No, let's keep it rolling. All right, we t- we briefly touched on Jacksonville, so I think we're done to talk on them. But the Colts Chargers, man, that was a phenom- That was a great game. That was a very fun game. Philip Rivers looked, he looked rejuvenated, and he, he looked vintage. Vintage Phil. Uh, Eckler had three touchdowns. Looks every. Can he hold up? He had eighteen touches. We'll see if he can hold up. Um, no, yeah, is my math right? Yeah, eighteen touches. Keenan Allen looked. Didn't look like he was injured. Hunter Henry had a nice four for 60. And the Chargers look good. Their defense 
defense is, I mean, how many sacks they had? They had one set, two sacks. You hope to see that number up a little bit, but their secondary is still strong. They were Joey Bosa was getting after, and Ingram were getting after him though. Yeah, Bosa. That just the Colts have one of the best O line in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Bosa had eight tackles, which is kind, of, which is a very good number for him. Uh, I feel like there's not much to talk about. This is who we expect the Chargers to be. This is who the Chargers have been forever. Uh with with me and the Chargers, the they're just going to be in a lot of games like this this year because a. Their defense is lacks a little bit on the secondary a little bit and the interior linebacking core. But offensively, they have to throw the football. Eckler's going to keep getting his, but they're going to have to keep throwing the football because they can't, if they get up in a game, they get up 20, 14, 17, 17-3, 17-7, whatever it may be. They don't have the offensive line to put games away. Mm-mm. And that's the difference. And that's why I'm kind of worried about this defense is because if you don't have offensive lines to put the games away, the defense has a higher probability of being on the chant on the field longer. And the Colts don't have the best run in the ground game. And the Chargers had a six twenty one care as a team, twenty one carries for 125 yards, six at six point oh average. But I don't. I don't. I think that it's going to be a lot tougher to run on teams in the future. And I mean, it's kind of funny because I consider an extension of the of the Chargers' ground game is just Philip Rivers dunking the ball to a running back in the in, in the flat and putting him in space. I just feel like that's like an extension of the run of the running game, and they, and he does that it, often. It, it it is, and it's what it is. It is what they do, but on the chance that those plays end up going out of bounds or that those plays are incomplete. Run game, when you run the ball, you're pretty much for sure going to keep the clock rolling. Mm-hmm. That's not not true when you throw the ball, even if it is dink and dunk. Yeah. So that's that's my issue with the Chargers. I was happy to see them be as successful and be as productive on offense as they were, but... Kind of like with the Texans, that's I, I see the Texans and the Chargers in the same light. Mm. Going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Going to have some great fantasy players on their team. Going to be in some very entertaining games. But when it comes down to it, will they win enough football games to either A, make the playoffs, or B, even be a... If either of these teams can make the playoffs, they're going to have a chance. Especially the Texans. Mm-hmm. It's a big if, though. That is a big, big if. I don't a big if. And the team on the flip side, your pick to win the AFC South. Indianapolis Colts fought back from a. Were they down seventeen nothing? I don't know. If, I think there's a biggest lead stat. Let me look, let me just say this real quick. Brissett looked good. Only had six incompletions. Was not asked to do much. Twenty one completions for 190 yards. Not exactly what you're looking for, but they, we saw what this offense is going to be. And it's a lot of Marlon Mack and a lot of T.Y. Hilton. And Marlon Mack looks the, amazing. They were down 24-9 to with 8.30 left in the third quarter. Nice. They're, so their biggest deficit was 15. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Mack had 25 carries for a buck 74 and a touchdown. T.Y. had 8 for 87 and two touchdowns, including the phenomenal, phenomenal catch after, run after the catch to tie the game up. It was get, to get it within two, and then they got the two-point conversion. It's his... It's it's a. Brissett's gonna be fine. 
the O line is gonna make is gonna open up lanes for Marlon Mack. And Mack, we see what I what pe- why people loved him at USF, South Florida. He is so fast and so powerful. Ty is Ty remains a, a very underrated receiver in the NFL. He is extremely underappreciated, and the Colts coaching and their O line and their skill players are going to keep him in a lot of games. And I feel like their defense is going to match up better with certain offenses. Malik Hooker, that interception, that one hand interception was beautiful. Um, oh my. Draft Ohio State DBs. Exactly. He is awesome. Justin Houston had a sack. We, um, yeah, there's just it's, – it's a, it's a decent defense. It's a fun defense. I just, we just need to see a little more. And this just wasn't a good – this just wasn't a good matchup for their first game in post-Andrew Luck, in my opinion. Well, I, could see, I could honestly – their schedule is extremely difficult, but I, I could see them sneaking in as a wild card or being a wild card threat. That's what this game showed me. This Colts team, yes, they're going to be hard to put away. Mm-hmm. And if they, they were playing from behind. If this team can play with a lead, good luck catching up to them. Yep. That's the that's the difference in this game is them just falling behind in the first half. But you get Jacoby Brissett, and this was Jacoby Brissett's like real first time action in this offense as a starter because Andrew Luck played every single game last year. Correct. Yes. So this is like his first real-time action in this offense. They came out in the second half and just started making plays. They got playmakers that can make plays. Mm-hmm. Playmakers that can make plays. <laughs> that is, you know? Yeah. But they, they have dudes that can make plays in space. It's They don't lack the talent. Andrew Luck hurts because he is, when he's healthy, he's right up there with Rodgers as one of the most talented quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the NFL. And he is honestly probably a top four top top five quarterback in the NFL when he is healthy. But I miss him Jacoby so much. Brissett, I know. Jacoby Brissett in this offense is going to be just fine on the and the thing is, it's because of that offensive line, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be I'm excited to see what this team can do. Because they're one of the better teams. Overall teams. They're very similar to the Titans as in they have a very good team. Mm-hmm. I just think the Titans have a better defense. Yeah, better defense, and uh, not, yeah, they don't have better coaching. Uh, defensively, they do. Offensively, they don't. But they have an idea. Exactly. They have an identity, which is what a lot of teams don't have is identity. Which I mean, Patriots don't have. Patriots' identity is their ability to rotate everything, rotate around and stuff. But um, let's get to let's, let's touch on the final AFC game, which was the Bills Jets. Very happy with this performance as a Bills Bills supporter. Josh Allen twenty. Not two picks and a fumble, but still led the game-winning touchdown pass to John Smokey Brown, who I told everyone to draft, and he had seven for one twenty-three and a touchdown, the game-winning touchdown. Devin Singletary, oh man, God, I love this guy. Four carries for seventy yards. Josh Allen had ten carries for thirty-eight yards and a touchdown. Frank Gore eleven for twenty. Give it's Singletary time. It's Singletary time. It's this young time. This defense is so good, man. They're so well coached. There's so much talent. It is so much. It's so awesome to watch this Bills team. I I had like four games on. I literally had quad screen in my laptop while I was watching Red Zone, which kind of sucks because you're like you're catching. Oh man, the Bills are the Bills are like first and ten from the forty. This is with every game because of the, the stream delay. And then you look on Red Zone, and then the Bills are on like the twenty yard line. You're like, ah, oh, dang it, I missed all. I'm, I have to like rewatch the plays and stuff. But this Bills team is fun. 
the Jets remain extremely unwatchable, in my opinion. Le'Veon Bell, 17 carries, 60 yards. Not bad for first game backs. Six carries, 32 yards, and a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. Darnold, 28 for 41, 175, and a 4.3 average. <laughs> God, I love that. Um, Jared's Jameson Crowder, 14 for 99, which is crazy. First player ever with 14 catches under 100 yards. Jamison Crowder is the new Jarvis Landry. Yeah, the dink and dunk superstar himself. Uh, Rob Anderson missed some plays. He had seven targets. But, over, I mean, we have to get to the NFC. I know you got class coming up in about in, in an, almost an hour. How much Jets, whatever, don't care. I, I personally wrote them off. I think they're trash. We expect the Bills to be in these games. Coming back from 16 nothing. I think we'll see. Yeah, they came back from 16 nothing. Yes. With the second-year quarterback on the road, even though he didn't have the best numbers, that that is a win when you walk in the locker room. They're like, yeah, Josh, you're our guy. This is – I'm telling you, man, I love the Bills. I, I love the Bills Mafia, man. I love it. I'm just excited to see Devin Singletary get unleashed because, like I said, all he does is score touchdowns, mm. and he almost had one. He got tackled like right at the two on a long – like I want to say – 15 20 yard run where he broke through the first uh first line of the defense yeah he him josh allen has again if josh allen's scrambling and running to the goal line i would not want to have to be the one to tackle him nope Mm -mm. i would not when i would i would not want to be that guy that has to tackle josh allen nope has a cannon has some deep threats zay jones um stepped up and has been looking solid. I think the Bills are one of the best coach teams in the NFL. And I think honestly, if there's a if there's a team, a sleeper team that has a chance to beat the Patriots because they are in division, it would be this Bills team. You're saying just in a game, right? Just in okay, a, okay, no, okay, yeah, okay, not for okay. the division, just like in a game. Mm-hmm. Um just because they're on closer to being on the same playing field as the Patriots in terms of being well coached and disciplined. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and Devin Singletary's elusiveness was he was literally making Jets defenders fall. It was it was an awesome sight too. You saw that one where the dude literally like dove like he pressed the wrong button in Madden. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, I'm gonna play with the Bills in Madden even more. So they got to fix Josh Allen's accuracy, even though they're pro- even though the the numbers are probably. Um, um, do they're probably probably the right accuracy, but I want I need to be able to throw the ball a little bit with him. Um, but we'll talk about Cincinnati. They're the last, I think they're the only team in the AFC we haven't discussed. We'll talk about them when we get to Seattle. I want to group them together. So let's go to the NFC. The NFC looks wide open. The Rams held on versus Carolina. Uh, typical. It was a typical Rams performance. It was literally. Everything we've always seen from them, we saw Goff in the play action. He only had 4.8 yards per attempt. Gurley ended up with 14 carries for 90 to 97 yards. Just didn't get the red zone work. That went to Malcolm Brown, who had 11, 53, and two touchdowns. Robert Woods led them with 8 for 70. Cup, 7 for 46. Brandon Cooks was getting locked, not locked down, but he was getting shadowed by Dante Jackson, the great corner of the Carolina Panthers. So it wasn't really his day, even though he had six targets. Higby, shout out, Eastlake Eagle just got his contract extension. Got it for, for four catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. Um, defense looked okay. Donald didn't Donald didn't have a sack. Just had one tackle. Rams, I feel like the Rams are who we th- – I mean, I feel like 
I didn't pick him to make the playoffs, but, and I feel I kind of feel okay about that. I still feel okay about that. Uh, thoughts on the Rams, real? I mean, it's, it's like I said, like I always say, like some teams take a lot of more time to talk about, but some teams are just, it's just the Rams, man. They got it. They got it out a very difficult win on the road against Carolina, doing exactly what they always in the past three years. A lot of three receivers, a lot of three wide receivers, one tight end, one, one one running back sets, a lot of play action, and a whole bunch of zone reads. So any thoughts on the Rams? Curious to see what happens with Todd Gurley's usage going down the road. Um, but it was night that, you know, he didn't play a whole lot, but when they needed to shut out the game against Carolina, he came in and was the fourth quarter bell cow, cowbell. Bell <laughs> I did this last time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was a fourth quarter guy that came in, and um, I wouldn't want to have to tackle a rested Todd Gurley in the fourth quarter as a defense that Mm-mm. I'm tired. So that, you know, it's nice to see that Malcolm Brown can have and lead that offense still. It's like having, for your, for, it, the, for the old baseball fans, it's like having Mariano Rivera in the bullpen as a closer. It's just you, essentially. you go through all the starters and their levers, and then you have to deal with the best – the best player they have in their roster. Well, offensive side of the ball. Um, but, yeah. Very quickly, we touched on this with the play action with the, with the Ravens. But the Chiefs and Titans as well. The Chiefs ran play action on 45.5% of their pass plays. Titans ran it on 43.3%. And we'll get to the Cowboys, who ran it on 46.6%. And guess what? All those teams won by more than two touchdowns. So maybe you just play action more. But yeah, Rams Rams were good. Uh Panthers, McCaffrey it's it's just McCaffrey. Ten catches, eighty one yards, nineteen carries, one hundred twenty eight yards, two touchdowns. He played he ran a wildcat. I mean, he ran a zone read with Cam Newton. Um but yeah, I the defense defensive line didn't take off as we expected. Maybe the we have to give the credit where credit's due. The Rams offensive line and McVay did a great job of scheming to prevent their offensive line from being a liability but this guy what are your thoughts on cam in this passing attack because that's what that's what's going to hold this team back i still don't know if they have any weapon i it's two scenarios either a they don't have any weapons on the outside outside of christian mccaffrey that they think that they can rely on or b Cam just doesn't believe in the weapons that he has on the outside, outside of Christian McCaffrey. And that's what this comes down to me. I I think DJ Moore and uh, Samuels are very electrifying, but I feel like they're missing that big body tight end or that big body receiver to occupy the middle of the field or to take some, get some one-on-one chances on the outside, because DJ Moore not the biggest dude, Samuel not Curtis Samuel not the biggest dude. Uh, that's that's just. I mean, I agree. That's that that's where I'm at. You know, you saw Chris McCaffrey here, Chris McCaffrey there. They're just going to run him into the ground until they can't no more. And I hope he can stay healthy. Hope, I hope he can. Hopefully, stay the muscle put on will help. But yeah. They're a fun team. Panthers are a fun team to watch. They have nice zone schemes, but their passing game. We look at Cam's best seasons. He had a fully healthy Greg Olson, and he had a, had a lot of Ted Ginn. And Ted Ginn is parentally underrated. They had him. 
They had, uh, man, Fozzie Brown. They had all these guys who could just separate and with speed. They don't have Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. We're not seeing that yet. DJ Moore was was doing really well in the first drive, and then he fumbled. But yeah, I mean, Rams did a great job too. Rams did a great job limiting their pass catching options. They have a solid. They have a, still have a solid secondary. Um, Weddle, hopefully you're feeling better because you got destroyed on one on that um on like that in a, in, a, in a, on that accident by Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, these are two these are two teams that the Rams weeks the Rams everyone expected to be at the front of be the top of this conference. Um, Carolina, a lot of people had some good feel, good vibes about. We'll see how those transition. They played the Bucks on a short week on Thursday. We're not talking the Bucks yet. We'll get to them later. Uh, let's transition to Cowboys and Dak and Kellen. And there's anything need to be said. We're not talking Giants. I mean, unless you want to talk about the Giants. But we talked about Dak and the money. We wanted you. You wanted a. You were in a wait and see approach. We both labeled the Cowboys as not just threats. To, we both picked them to win the NFC East. We both we labeled them as threats top four team to win this whole conference. You wanted to see Dak with, with Kellen Moore. You saw Dak with Kellen Moore. What are your thoughts, good sir? You put you put Dak in position to win. Play action, getting tight ends open, spreading the ball around, not just locking in on one receiver. Zeke came in and was... I love Mexicano Zeke. That's what I'm going to call him this year, Mexicano Zeke. Cabo Zeke? <laughs> yeah, Cabo Zeke. I'm a big fan, man. Big fan. I, I love the way that he came in and was just kind of doing what he always does, making people miss, getting yards where there aren't yards to be gotten, getting, to be gained. Hmm. <laughs> I just really – Dak looked good. Dak looked good. Kellen Moore, I, I hate to, I, I know it kills my friend Trey to, to have a Boise State guy be so awesome. Boy, Cowboys love Boise State players. Mm. But, man, Kellen Moore just, he was running everything. So much play action, spreading the ball around. I'm, if, that's what, if that's what your recipe to success is, I saw someone, you know, I was talking, I, I, messaged it to you that the Cowboys D's like 24th DVOA um defensive was some defensive statistic I just don't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter they have pass rushing if they get a lead and they have a team that's coming at them they have the pass rushing ability to get there they have the linebacking ability that they can defend running backs or should be able to defend running backs at least to a better extent than most teams out of the backfield. They are, have sure tacklers on the run game at linebacker. This team is built to make a run. And this is the first time I think I've ever said that ever, ever about the Cowboys. I don't think that Tony Romo ever had <clears throat> this much talent at wide receiver. Michael Gallup, 7 mm, for 158. No. Amari Cooper, 6 for 106 <laughs> and a touchdown. Randall Cobb looked 
amazing in the slot. Four for 6-9 and a touchdown. They improved there over Cole Beasley. Blake Jarwin had a touchdown. Oh, a beautiful, beautiful design of a play to suck the defense in with the, with the long fake quick over the top. That's easy throw. The throw to Cooper in the on the in the end zone, amazing. The beautiful play fake, the Witten play action, right there. You're, if you're sensing a theme, it's the play action works, and it's going to do it. And as long as, and guess what? When teams say, "Hey, we can't, we have to keep two safeties over the top to help with the pass game," you're gonna get light light boxes for Zeke, who is a top three running back in the NFL. It is this offense is going to be awesome. And you know what the one thing is? Hire young offensive minds. And I know that that's what people are trying to do with McVay and all this stuff. But it's not even that they're willing to adapt and use the new schemes in the in the in the play action all that stuff and the analytics. It's just relatability, man. It's just the open line of communication. Dak can probably walk into Kellen Moore, who was his backup for his first two years, and say first year for his second year and say, Hey, you know what, man? I'm not, I don't like this, Kellen. Let's do this. And if, if there's one person in that system, in that organization who knows Dak's skill set better than anyone, it's Kellen Moore, who's been in QB rooms with them for four seasons, and now he's calling his plays. Man, this is this offense is special already. I am willing to say that this is going to be one of the best offenses in football. I, I can't believe I'm actually excited to watch the Cowboys week in, week out. How upset? Would you even be upset at all if the Cowboys played the Patriots? Oh, no, exactly. not at all. It is going to be not at all. That would be awesome. Um, Giants, sorry, don't have time to talk about you. Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota, our good friends, Kirk Cousins, man. I love Kirk. I love the new Kirk Cousins. We saw it. I love the new Kirk Cousins. We saw a preview of Kevin Stefanski's offense last year. It was very run heavy, and we saw it even more so this time. We saw their formula. It's going to be play great defense. Silly on me for thinking this defense take a step back. Shame, that's my yeah. fault. That's my fault. I'm an idiot, and I'm also an idiot for thinking the Falcons would be good. They lost. They lost offensive line. Uh, what's his name? Chris Lynch. Yes, rookie from BC. He's out for. The, he's out. Foot fracture. Foot fracture, right? Yeah, I think mm. so. Yes. He's out, which severely limits their offense. Matt Ryan does the typical Matt Ryan. Uh, I'm going. I'm just running the Falcon stuff real quick. He, he does the typical. Garbage time touchdowns. I, I appreciate Julio getting that touchdown at the end of the thing. Um, couldn't get the ground game going. Couldn't get, just couldn't get anything going against Minnesota's great defense. And it started with the block punt in the first drive. But Minnesota, man, if their formula is Kirk Cousins to go 8 of 10 for 98 yards and a touchdown, hand the ball off to Dalvin and Alexander Mattson a total of 30 times, and those two totaled 30 attempts for 160 yards and two touchdowns both by Dalvin, and Dalvin's gonna look like this. This is a, this is another Super Bowl threat. This is another team where you can legitimately say, you know what, defense, ground game, Kirk Cousins play action. That's what you need. That is the recipe for success for Minnesota. What are your thoughts on this? Let's try to keep it not. So, I just thought of something. You know what? We say we can't trust Kirk. It looks like Minnesota can't even trust Kirk. See, it's not just us, bro. It's not. Uh, you have any- He's about to be the ultimate game manager. Ten recipe for success. Not throwing the ball 40 times with Kirk Cousins. Ten. The lowest amount of double-digit throws you can have Kirk Cousins be in. 
Because if you have Kirk Cousins in single-digit attempts, okay, it looks a little suspicious. <laughs> they got him into double digits on attempts, and then we were like, you're good, bro. He threw a touchdown to Thielen. You're good. You did your job. I love the new and improved Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I love that he is making so much money to throw 10 passes and hand the ball off to the best one of the best running backs in the league. One of the most talented running backs in the league. He looks so good, dude. He he is going to have the, a very similar year as he had his junior year here at FSU. Like, I still... I was talking about it someone yesterday. Dalvin, the best single performance I've ever seen by a running back was Dalvin versus Clemson home mm-hmm. at home 2016. Yep. I have never seen a running back take over a game with my own eyes like that before. It was. I mean, I remember that game. I actually watched that when I was in Canada. Uh, yeah, dude, it was. That's that's it is a recipe for success. And if they can do that, if they can play defense like this and not run into a terrible offensive line like Atlanta, then they'll they'll, be, they'll find success. I want to see them against a better offensive line and better offense. But hey. A 28-12, when you were up 28 nothing, destroying a team that a lot of people picked to win that division, yours truly including, and it's and it's and it's a good start to the season. It's a good start to the season, you could say. Um, sorry for the little voice spike right there. Uh, any final thoughts? You want to keep it moving? Yeah, let's just keep it rolling. Eagles, okay. We're down 17 nothing, and then we saw the weapons on display with a casual 32 points in the last three quarters. Uh, Deshaun. Man, if only the Bucks could have a, a quarterback who could make a deep ball throw, we would see this. But Deshaun Jackson should never leave Philly. Eight for 154 and two touchdowns. Uh, Wentz was 28 for 39 for 313 and three touchdowns. We saw the full display of running game. Miles Sanders actually led, their, led them in carries. He said the worst average. Uh, Sproles had nine carries. Howard had six carries. San, Miles Sanders had 11 carries. Pass game was very, very spread out. It, very well done. Deshaun had eight catches, ten targets. Ertz had five catches, seven targets. Jeffrey, five catches, six targets. Dallas Goder, two catches, three targets. Darren Sproles, three for three. Algalar, two for five. Howard, two for three. Sanders, one for two. Um, just but There was some worry with the Eagles, but there was they came on strong at the end. They did what good teams do. They win. They take care of business at home. And... Defensive concerns are still in the secondary at the cornerback position, but business as usual for the Eagles. And I know there's one player in particular that you want to talk about on Washington. Very before you get to him, Darius Geis got injured again, injured his other knee. Very unfortunate. And Vernon Davis, that touchdown was amazing, especially coming off the day after your father figure grandfather died. So thoughts, thoughts, and energy toward positive energy towards you, but. Noah, thoughts on Eagles and thoughts on another Ohio State player for the Washington Redskins? Miles Sanders is going to take over this backfield. He was the most electrifying running back for the Eagles every time he touched the ball. Jordan Howard, there's, they're going to keep doing the committee, but I think eventually he's going to be getting the bulk of the carries. The receiver that I'm excited about, and I think it's going to get even, not necessarily even better, but I think it's going to be, has the potential to be even more exciting just because it will be the Ohio State to the Ohio State connection. Terry, is it McLaren? McLaughlin? McLaren. 
McLaren, Terry yes. McLaren. Yes. What do you go? Seven catches for a hundred bucks something? Five, one twenty five and a touchdown. Hey. That and we talked about him in the preseason after we I saw one of his interviews talking about his route running. He just talked like a vet and understood the game on a deeper level than most NFL players do. Because a lot of players that go through college and then make it to the NFL are good at football, but don't really understand the game of football as well as they should. They just know what to do. But he understands what he's doing. He understands coverages. He understands soft spots. Ohio State, man. Them, Bama, Georgia, LSU. Mm-hmm. NFL factories. Yep. Uh, that's all you. That's all you have on the on that on that game. I mean, it went. It was closer than we thought, it, but uh, we saw the dominance Redskins, of Philly. Redskins are well coached, but they're gonna lack the the health one and just the overall um, firepower too to to be able to compete, especially with the top heavy teams of the Eagles and the Cowboys mm-hmm. in this division. Good job, though, Case Keenum. You, you look good there. Maybe the Bucks should trade for you, which is a nice little transition. And there's a chance we're going to earn our first explicit warning because the Bucks and 49ers game was a complete and utter shit show. And this isn't going on Radio St. Pete, so I can cuss a little bit. It was the worst game of football I have probably ever watched in my life in the NFL. And I know you can say the score is different, but penalties galore. Interceptions terrible it it was just i wish i could get those three and a half hours back 49ers defensive line did well i mean their help they had three sacks yeah three sacks uh but there was no bright spot in this game besides the bucks defense in my opinion that was the only thing that was bright kittle had two touchdowns called back there was four touchdowns total i could have swore there was five there were three pick sixes that were just stupidity across the board. O.J. Howard looked like a sh- terrible. Mike Evans was throwing up on the sideline. Chris Godwin only got six targets. Uh, we f- The Bucks found a running back in Ronald Jones for once, though. Then, then they run the ball uh, 50 yards on one drive, and then they stopped running the ball on that drive. A questionable fourth down call. Just a whole bunch of terrible coaching and terrible execution of the terrible game plan on both sides it the refs were terrible this was just an all-in-all awful awful game and I'm not even saying it as a Bucks fan because I don't care about them like that it's not like it doesn't ruin my day at the Bucks lose it doesn't make doesn't make my day at the Bucks lose I just enjoy if, watching them if if you're a Bucks fan and your day gets ruined that the Bucks lose you <laughs> you haven't been able to enjoy yourself for the past I don't know 12 13 years probably ever <laughs> yeah since it's it's just, it's just terrible man the bright spots were Vita Vea looked was was clocking up holes and was clocking up holes looked very athletic Levante David was everywhere Devin White looked good just need to see just need to see a little more consistency secondary wasn't honestly the secondary wasn't too bad Hargraves had a pick six very good read on the comeback route, the Jimmy G telepath but this is a story that what it comes down to is these two quarterbacks are very hyped up it's time, Jimmy G. I need to. I need to see it, man. And this it's 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 really it's really worrisome. Uh, Jameis 
don't even know what to say. This is just who he is, man. This is just who he is. He has half of his games, he has three turnovers or more in. That is that is just stupid. That's not taking care of the ball. The last screen pass was a joke to Dare um Agunbuale. It was just it was just I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I'm I'm done. It, it wasn't it was just Excuse my language again. It was a fucking disgrace for a football game. But I'll let you have the floor after that. I hey, there's nothing more I need to say. It it is what it is. Well, I, the Bucks can only get better. The Niners seem lost, despite winning, which is crazy to think about. But I mean, I don't even by two touchdowns. Yes, but it was. I don't know. I'm not even going to talk about it. Man, 19 penalties total. Every 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 mother. Fucking year, I talk myself into Tampa Bay a little bit, and every year they do this. And they, you know, they'll probably yeah. go to Carolina and win by two touchdowns. And Jameis will have five thousand yards and six thousand touchdowns, and Godwin will have three million. And then you'll just be like, "Oh yeah, look at this look, awesome Kool Aid!" Just start drinking, yeah, and chucking it back. No. Hey, let's shotgun this Bucks Kool Aid. Get sick, throw up at halftime. Exactly. Yeah, there's a flu going on. How do you get you get the flu? You're on your first on your first game of the season. That's just. Just to, uh, I don't want to talk about anymore. Let's move on to uh, a very surprisingly fun game in the Northwest between the Bengals and the Seahawks. We should have understood this. The Seahawks were heavy point favor- heavy favorites at home, which means they're going to underperform as usual. Didn't use Tyler Lockett at all until the fourth quarter, and he and his first target was a 44-yard touchdown. Metcalf looked good. Uh, Carson had not – Bengals defense did really well. Bengals did really well as a whole. They outgained – I mean, Dalton threw for 418 yards. John Ross had 7 for 158 and 2 touchdowns. Tyler Boyd, 8 for 60. CJ Uzoma, 4 for 66. Giovanni Bernard is going to get some carries now because Joe Mixon's injured. He had 2 catches for 42 yards. I lo- Eifert, 5 for 27. You know, that was a Joe, that's a Joe Flacco tight end range right there. Um, but the Bengals outgained the Seahawks, 429 to 2, for 233. Despite the Seahawks having two more drives, uh, Clowney looked good. Was making plays, had a couple of pass deflections. Yeah, he had a sack, a pass deflection, QB hit. It's it was just a nice nice debut for him. You had Seattle in the you had I don't think you had Seattle in the Super Bowl, but you had Seattle going very far. I had him in the conference championship game. May have to I'll call an audible to Dallas, but you know this is what Seattle is. They start out slow, they find the rhythm later in the season. Um, I don't really have much to talk about Seattle. I really just want to mention in Cincinnati is that Dalton looked like he was in a college offense, and I mean by that is he was in the shotgun and was getting the ball out extremely quickly, extremely quickly, and that is something I want to see. Andy Dalton's, according to John Daigle, uh, no, I know this is PFF Mike. I think it's John Daigle. Whatever, it's PFF Mike. Andy Dalton's league-high 17 play-action attempts in Zach Taylor's scheme actually masked Cincinnati's four missing O-linemen. It was a genuine shock and fun to see. I agree. The ball was being lasered out, and they have playmakers, man, which is why if they had Jonah Williams and A.J. Green and their and their offense was healthy, I would pick them to make the playoffs like I did last year because I actually think Andy Dolan is a serviceable, good quarterback, um, and I like their talent. Their defense showed up a little more better than I expected, but like we said, you know, when you're calling se- second and 17 draws, which, which what what Brian Schottenheimer in the Seattle in this um and what Seattle does is it's it's something you come to expect. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Hate Seattle's play calling. I, I don't know why they want to put Russell Wilson in such a box. 
Um, Tyler Lockett only had had a big drop, but had only one catch for 44 yards and a touchdown. I'm excited to see what they can do. DK Metcalf was a nice, pleasant surprise. The Seattle run game kept it going. Uh, it was just nice to finally see first game out of the Marvin Lewis era in Cincinnati, and it was nice, fun to watch. I, for the first time in a long time, I enjoyed watching the Bengals. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I, we'll see. This offense is only going to get better once I get A.J. Green back. I know. It's going to be... It's going to be awesome. Um, let's quickly go. We have about we have about five, six minutes left. Let's go to the final game on the slate, a game that I labeled the most interesting game of the week in my in my uh, article last week. I'll probably do – I'll write one today. I'll give you some waiver wire stuff as well. But the Cardinals and the Lions tied 27-27. I actually predicted it to be 28-27 Arizona, but it's okay. Um, and this is just a tale of two halves. Detroit dominated the first half. 17-3 at halftime. Stafford looked very good in this new offense. TJ Hawkinson, I I thought there'd be a little more passing than I than expected in this because there's a there's a shit ton of weapons. Hawkinson six for one thirty one and a touchdown. Looks every bit worth the top ten pick already. Amendola seven for one oh four and a touchdown. Marvin Jones four for fifty six. Kenny Galladay four for forty two and a touchdown. They the Lions looked very fun. And if Darren Bevel trusts Matt Stafford, they win this game. Because there was a fourth down, a third down conversion, and they had a, they had the receiver in the flat. They called a timeout. Next play, punt. But you know who I'm, you know who I want to talk about, baby, and that is Kyler Murray. And first three quarters, he was nine for 25, 70 yards, and an interception. Fourth quarter, an OT, twenty for twenty-eight, two thirty-eight, and two touchdowns. Rookie to lead this comeback, ridiculous. And it's not just with it, how they did it. In terms of the execution, it is the formations they did. We talked about the air raid. You talked about four. You nailed the four wide receiver. How this is going to happen, and the Cardinals were in four wide receiver based offense the whole time. Four pass plays with with four receivers on the field in week one. Cardinals forty five. Rest of the NFL thirty five. We saw them get back to the short, quick throws to mask the offensive line, a la Cincinnati did. We saw so much. It was just. Larry Fitzgerald looked rejuvenated. David Johnson had six of seven targets. He had a 27-yard touchdown up the seam. Phenomenal. It was, man, it, with Kirk and Fitzgerald in the slot, this is, this is, it was amazing, man. This was my ge- favorite game to watch. The Air Raiders arrive at Kyler and Cliff. Noah, thoughts on, in my opinion, the game of Sunday? Arizona looked a little erratic in the first half, first three quarters, honestly. But once they kind of settled down, started making things a little bit more simple, Kyler Murray just got back to doing what Kyler Murray does. It was fun to watch. It's nice to see David Johnson getting utilized correctly. Larry Fitz looked like he was 25. But outside of those three guys, they just don't have a whole lot on offense, talent-wise. They're just young inexperienced and like I've said before receivers have some of the tougher have running backs can get plugged into an offense and go but because they're running the football they're just reading the hole going receivers have to learn how to go against NFL DBs NFL coverages NFL deep secondaries and that can take a lot more time mentally and physically to get up to that speed Mm -hmm. 
So that's going to be the biggest concern for me in Arizona, for myself for Arizona. But I'm ex- this, like we said before, this is not a playoff team this year. It may not even be a playoff team next year. But the case study that this is with this offense, with this quarterback, is fun to watch. Very exciting to watch. Good football. Mm-hmm. Solid, solid football. And Kyler Murray is only going to get more and more efficient. And he's not he's not a great like runner per se, like in terms of design QB runs. He's much better scrambling than he is a design QB runner. And he's much better extending the play, making a throw, or then skirting down the sideline than he is of just like trying to go right outside the tackle and take like a read and take like a design quarterback power or something. That's not his you're not gonna see him do Josh Allen Dak Prescott type things. He's an ex- he is a playmaker in terms of he's just going to extend the play. And I that mm-hmm. I it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's it was it was awesome. And ironically, to hit your running back, it's usually the running backs are easier to plug in. But in week one, we saw a lot of rookie receivers take outperform the rookie running backs. And I don't know if that was opportunity created and stuff like that. But it was it was good, man. And then, hey, this was. Oh, this was just an awesome, awesome, awesome week going to football. It was it's exciting to have the NFL back. Uh, a lot of close games. If you look at the standings already, it's kind of – I know it's only week one. and I mean, last year the Bucks went 2-0, and, and they beat the, the Saints on the road and the Eagles at home. So, But there are three divisions with only, with only one team won, the NFC South, AFC South, and AFC North. Only one team was victorious. Early in standings, though, we'll see. But uh, in conclusion, the big things of Week One are play action works, play to your te- play to your roster, t- um, form your scheme to your roster talent, and speed kills on offense, especially. That's what we saw this week. Noah, this was an awesome recap of the first week of the NFL season. Closing thoughts. Thanks for coming on. Whatever you have to say. Just excited to preview week two. Absolutely. We'll get into that on Thursday. Everyone, thanks for, stay, uh, thanks for staying with us. Have a good week, good couple days. Subscribe on Spotify, uh, Apple, SoundCloud, all that fun stuff. Follow us on Twitter, even though we don't use that. And there's a lot of stuff we have to get better at. It's my fault. Um, and, yeah, from Noah Hemer, I'm Michael Duggar. Thanks for checking us out on the No Ordinary Pod.